going to be preaching from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, a message not a call, what we do when we sin. And uh, yeah, just mess up. I, I'm not sure it was a sin, but when you mess up, just mess up. That's a simple thing. What to do when we sin. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Don't you love that passage? Uh, this uh, text tonight brings us to an invitation that came at the conclusion of a message that God was delivering through his spokesman Isaiah to his people. And the sermon's main points are very clearly established for us in the early parts of the chapter. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner. And the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Israel had not forgotten God. They had not. But they were living as if they did not know God at all. They did know God. Knew Him well. But they were acting like they didn't. We call that estranged. Estranged. When... People know you. <laughs> They're even kin to you. I mean, that he, he put this whole thing within the framework of children. You see it. Uh, the ox, God said, knows the voice of its master and responds accordingly. Uh, even the donkey. And the donkey is renowned for its wildness, for its rebelliousness and stubbornness. But even the donkey remembers who feeds it and takes care of it and responds accordingly. But Israel, Israel did not consider or think carefully on who was taking care of them, who was providing for them, who had established them, who had given them all the blessings that they enjoyed. When we stop thinking carefully about who owns us and who provides for us, when we, when we stop thinking carefully about who owns us, who we belong to, and who takes care of us, it is a short journey into a sinful lifestyle. And that's exactly what had happened to Israel. And so God takes the time to show them what they have become. He sees them as laden with iniquity. Uh, they had a full measure. If you uh, ladle up a, a bowl of soup, you know what that's like. It just comes up. It's got a, a full, heaped-up measure. And that's exactly how God saw them. They were, they were full. They were carrying around a full burden load of sin. Now, sin may have its thrills, and it does. But I want you to know tonight, sin is a heavy load to carry around. It weighs on you. 
in more ways than one. He sees them as the seed of evildoers. We may not think about it, but when God's people sin, we are sowing seeds of sin that are every bit as real into the lives of people, into our community, into our culture, every bit as real as it is when we sow the seeds of the gospel. We plant them in the lives of everyone who sees us or everyone who knows us involved in our sin. So when we live for God and we sow the seeds of the word of God in our life, uh, that has an effect. But when we reject God, when we turn away from God, when we begin to live in sin, then that sows sin into the lives of other people. He sees them as corrupting children. The sowing of seed may be somewhat anonymous. We don't know where the seed falls. We may never see it, uh, where it sprouts. But this describes the deliberate actions of a person setting out to draw others into their sinfulness. We say, misery loves company. And that's true. Sin loves company too. Sin loves company. You see that play out every day around the streets of our community. Uh, you see that alcoholic trying to get, out of, uh, get away from his drinking lifestyle, get away from the bottle. And his number one enemy is all his drinking buddies. You see the person trying to get off pills, trying to get off drugs. Their number one enemy are all the people they do drugs with. Corrupting children out to draw others into their sin. God then goes on to describe the consequences of their choices. Of course, they had forsaken the Lord. Jesus said it, no man can serve two masters. If sin is allowed to take hold of our life, then we forsake the Lord, our master. Not only had they forsaken the Lord, but they provoked the Lord. Have you ever had somebody deliberately provoke you? Besides me, of course. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, just I mean, just deliberately try to stir you up and make you mad. Just see if they could. Uh, think about that, and then think about provoking God. I mean, just deliberately setting out to provoke God, that person who is taunting God, and seeing if they can provoke Him into acting against them. You say, well, surely, surely we, nobody would do that. But that's what God said of these people. You're provoking me. They'd gone away backward. You ever wondered where the term backsliding came from in Scripture? Well, this is certainly one of the places he says you have gone away backward. They were a long way then from where God intended them to be. They'd once walked closely with the Lord. They'd once been faithful to Him and faithful to his service, but now they've backed away and they're a long way from where they once were. You see, I mention all this tonight because you never really understand Isaiah 118 until you realize that it's God's invitation not to lost people, but to his people. It's kind of like that other famous passage in Isaiah, come now and let us reason together saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, they shall be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But what about this one? If my people, if my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from the wicked ways, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people, if my people. 
This also is an invitation given to save people. You see, we might be inclined to think from time to time that lost people are the worst people. But I kind of take issue with that. Uh, there's nothing in the world more miserable than a backslid Baptist. That backslidden person, man, they're backstabbing, backbiting, bickering, mad at the world. They're unhappy everywhere they go. They're unhappy at work. They're unhappy at church. They go out and try to have fun. They're unhappy there too. They're miserable. Miserable. They're not right with God and they find it difficult then to be right with anybody. They cause trouble everywhere they go. I'd much rather be around lost people, quite frankly. I, <laughs> it's a, lost people can't help it. They're lost. We can deal with them. It's no wonder then that God calls his people and says, Come now. Come now. Maybe the most famous sin in history was David's. But out of that sin, it comes to us a marvelous example of, of how to deal with sin and also of what sin does for us. Psalm 51, and I'm going to read the whole thing. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Sin soils us. Psalm 1, 51, 1, Have mercy on my God according to thy loving kindness, According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me, verse 2, thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Sin makes us feel dirty. 
Sin fills the mind. Verse 3. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. My sin is ever before me. It stings the conscience. Verse 4. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. God, I have sinned and done evil in thy sight. Sin depresses us. Verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness. His sin had sucked all the joy out of his life. You know people like that. I know people like that. Fact is, we can be that person. Sin affects the body. Verse uh, 8, the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Sin seals the lips. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Some people don't sing because they really can't sing. Some people have a hard time praising the Lord. It's hard to do when there's sin in your life. So what do we do about it? If sin does all this to us, what do we do? Well, several things. Psalm 51 and 1 says, uh, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Uh, when we have sinned, the first thing we need to do is assure ourselves of the mercy of God. Because let me tell you something, the enemy is going to pounce up here on your back and fill your mind with the idea that God is done with you, He's through with you, and after what you've done, He'll never take you back. You remind yourself that our God is a God of mercy. That's good news. David had killed a man. Stole his wife. approached God on the basis of his mercy and he found him we acknowledge then our sin and confess it frankly I acknowledge my sin my transgression verse 3 my sin is ever before me against thee the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear behold I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. I've never forgotten what I heard an old preacher say many years ago. We sin on retail, and then we want to confess it on the wholesale. God desires truth in the inward parts. That means we face it squarely. We didn't make a mistake. We just sinned. And I'm sorry, God, I've we confess it frankly. We ask then for forgiveness. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We ask for full forgiveness because that and that alone allows us to turn from our sins and put it behind us. We seek the empowering of the Spirit. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me then with thy free spirit. You say, well, what in the world was David talking about? Don't take the Holy Spirit away. Let's understand that in the Old Testament, one of the things that the Holy Spirit did was he anointed people for service. David was the king. 
And when Samuel went and visited Jesse's house and picked out the little shepherd boy that they didn't even bother to call in for the lineup because they knew God didn't want him. But he was the one. And when Samuel took out that anointing oil and poured it over his head, that was a symbol of the work of the Holy Spirit coming on his life. Adrian Rogers called that a special touch for a special task. I've never forgotten that. The anointing enabled people to do a special work. The king was one of the ones who was anointed. Prophets, other people, Samson experienced that. David had watched the Holy Spirit turn away from Saul, his predecessor. And he watched as Saul tried to lead the nation of Israel and it drove him crazy. He went mad. Trying to lead the nation of Israel without the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. No wonder David said, oh God, don't do to me what you did to Saul. Don't do it. And so he cried out to God, God uphold me. With thy free spirit. He knew. He knew that if he was going to recover. He knew that if he was going to get past this terrible time of sin in his life. That he needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. So do we. Then he talks about how we can turn our time of sin, our failure, into a testimony of praise. Then, verse 13, I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. David set out then to use his failure as a testimony, a testimony of praise. This is a hard thing for us to do. In David's case, his sin had played out so publicly, he was left with absolutely no choice. Nathan the prophet, thou art the man right before the throne. There's no hiding Consequences of his sin were ever there. God told David very plainly, the sword would never leave your house. It never did. It never did. But from that moment on, he was determined that he would be a person who would teach transgressors, sinners, the ways of God. The way is of forgiveness. The way of forgiveness that didn't just involve going up to the temple and killing an animal and going your way. The ways of God that David said, God, you don't even desire that. You don't, you don't, if you desired that, God, I'd give it to you. If that was all it took, I would do it and do it gladly. And I'll teach people your ways. The ways that says that a broken heart and a contrite that is a repentant spirit. That's what God is looking for. Not going through the motions, but a true repentant heart. 
when we go through those things, you see, David learned, David learned that if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the God we serve. And so tonight we might wonder, well, why do we why do we talk about sin in, in a church full of pretty good folks God's people save people we talk about sin because as long as we're living in this world sin is going to be a problem to us we don't thankfully say everything that we think about saying we don't do everything we think about doing we don't go everywhere we think about going we don't a lot of things just kind of pass through and we say no to. and Don't take credit for that. Say, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, God. I could have, I, 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 yeah, but I didn't. God is working in our life all the time. Keep us away from things that we shouldn't do. And as John tells us in that great chapter, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, my little children, I write these things to you that you sin not. I'm not telling you about if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm not telling you that to write you out a blank check so that you can go cash it in the pile of sin. That's not what he did. He didn't tell us these things to encourage us to sin. He said, I write these things to you so that you do not sin. But, but, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Our advocate means that he's our defense attorney. He pleads our case. Our sin might accuse us and does accuse us, but Jesus Christ defends us. And our defense attorney is also the one who pays us out. Y'all understand that, how to pay it out? That's the propitiation. He's the one who paid the price. And you see, if we stop and think, remember when we lose sight of who owns us and who provides us for us, who gives us all of our blessing, it's a short trip to being in a sinful lifestyle. If we forget, if we don't think about the fact that Jesus defends us when our sins accuse us, He defends us. Those nail-pierced hands and feet. If we forget what our sin did to Jesus, there's very little else that would discourage us from sinning. Encourage us to live for Him. 
than thinking about the awesome price that's been paid for you and me. Aren't you glad Jesus loves us the way he loves us? What to do? What to do when we sin? Well, Psalm 51 gave us a great example. And God gives us a great promise. Come now. The problem with that invitation is that very few people ever get to the now. We don't get past the second verse. Come. Okay. Come now. Come now. Forgive me for being so personal with you tonight. But here in a couple of months, there's going to be a whole bunch of us that's going to decide, myself included, that it's time to lose some weight. Now, some of you aren't going to do that. God bless you. God bless you. I am. Why do we always start on Monday? Why do we always say, what, tomorrow? First of the year. I'm telling you, this is my last night. Let me eat a big meal. Let's go get some pizza. Because tomorrow, ain't that always the way? God says, come now. Come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come now. Though that is an invitation made to God's people, it fits just as well to those who don't know the Lord. And some of you in the service tonight may well be at that point. You know you need Jesus in your life. You know you need to trust Him as your Savior. You know it. You wouldn't be here tonight if the Spirit of God hadn't been working on you already. You know it. And there's always that inclination. Tomorrow, next Sunday, next week, next year. Come now. Come now. It's that time. Let's stand together.